Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joe Boris, and I'm here today with another Joe, Joe Inati from GNA. Now, uh, for those of you unfamiliar with GNA, that's uh, Gladstein, Neandros, and Associates. And I know I'm going to get this wrong, but my basic understanding is that GNA helps secure grants and incentive programs for fleet buyers so that it makes transitioning to an electric or zero emission or lower emission vehicle fleet easier and more affordable. So first of all, Mr. Nadi, thanks so much for being here. And did I get any of that right? You, you got it right, Joe. No, it's uh, it is certainly First something. Time out. We, yeah, it's it's certainly something we do. The the clean transportation incentives market is a is a major driver for us, but it's one of 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 a handful of things that that GNA is up to. Is we're in our thirtieth year now and, and celebrating a big anniversary and and have our uh, trade show that we host. Uh, coming up here in, in May, ACT Expo in Anaheim this year. That's you know one of the big flagships for us, for our events and creative team, is putting on a, a several thousand attendee uh, trade show in the clean transportation space. Uh, this year, actually, we should be up above 10,000 folks in our, in our halls, which is really, really exciting. Several hundred vehicles, uh, light, medium, and heavy duty, and all persuasions of alternative fuels on the floor. Lots of ride and drive events and great technical information uh, from a variety of, of seminars and, and uh, speaking engagements. It's actually a great event. Yeah. I've been to the ACT show myself a couple of times. Uh, I, I, so far in Long Beach, I've never been to the one in Irvine, because but you guys outgrew Long Beach. We have outgrown. Yeah, we uh, got a little too big for, for our friends in Long Beach and had some spillover out into the street last year uh, with trucks out and you know parking garages and back lots and things like that. And, and we certainly appreciate our friends at Long Beach, but Anaheim offers us uh, some more square footage, and, and, and that's what we're looking forward to providing for our attendees. Yeah, you know, and for those of you who are just not really familiar, because people don't think about it, right? Like they drive their Toyota Camry or their Ford Explorer or whatever it is, and they see big trucks on the road, but they don't realize, number one, how huge the commercial vehicle market is in terms of over-the-road trucks, in terms of cargo vans, in terms of delivery vans, but also all the vehicles that they don't think about, the construction equipment, the backhoes, the track hose, the loaders, you know, the forklifts, there was, there was one that's from the port of long beach that was there last year. It was XL lifts. It was just this yeah. enormous electric forklift it was the biggest forklift I've ever seen. And I talked to those guys for a while and they're really cool, but you know, there is so much more to this than just, you know, trucks. Absolutely. And one of the markets actually that, that has been as a huge driver in, in the particular in the zero emission landscape is, is with a, a vehicle called a hostler. Uh, or a terminal tractor, or a goat, or a yard dog. It goes by any number of different <laughs> names. But it's not a truck that you see on the street because it exists behind the fence line at a port or behind the fence line at a warehouse. But it's this, it's this, basically, it's just a massive engine on wheels that shuttles freight around. And it is a huge focus point because it operates in uh, heavily disadvantaged communities as it relates to diesel pollution and, and economic factors. But it, it, it 
almost continuously in service. It just never stops running. And they're often older diesel engines. And so that, you know, to your point about, you know, technology and types of vehicles that just aren't really recognized on the day-to-day traffic, that's one of the big ones that we've been working on too. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really important to, you, you just can't understate how important it is you know, if you're a parent and you live in one of these areas that's near these ports or near the airports yeah. that, you know, has these, these emissions and you have a, a young kid with asthma, who's growing up and having a hard time breathing when there's heavy stuff in the air, you know, the ability to remove that, even if it's just some of that and make your child's life that much better and easier is, is incredibly invaluable. And, uh, you know, it, so thank you for all the work you do on that front. You know, I wanted to, uh, of course, I wanted to bring attention to this because I think there's a lot of probably not so many anymore, but certainly years ago, there were a lot of question marks about transitioning fleets to electric vehicles. Now, most of the costs involve less in terms of practical matters, like can it do the job? Can it tow? Can it do the work? And more in terms of how are we going to pay for this? How is this going to how are we going to, you know, uh, amortize the costs or write this down? And that's where GNA's work in and expertise in these fields really helps make this a reality for people. Can you talk a little bit about that and a little bit specifically about how you're helping fleets and fleet buyers specifically really kind of get all the incentives that they've got coming to them? Absolutely. It, it's really a, a, a coordinated effort initially between our technical services group, our engineering group our regulatory group, and then our incentives group, because those motivating factors exist in all three of those elements. So from a technology perspective, the market doesn't, there's no panaceas right now. There's no technology that's just like, yep, that's the perfect fit for everything that we do. That doesn't exist. There's no silver bullets. You know, we're, we're, we're of the mindset that there's silver buckshot. There's no silver bullets. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, you kind of go through it and, and recognize that there are certain applications of a technology that are better and there are certain applications of the technology that you should shy away from. There, there's no answer right now, for example, to the long haul truck market, to those right. 800 mile runners. That's just, you know, the, the liquefied natural gas is probably the best solution for that. But from a zero emission perspective, we're not there yet. Hydrogen hopefully gets there, but we're not there yet. So I from think a technology that's a fair comment yeah. for, for any type of vehicle, like you can't say, sure. well, you know, a, gasoline or diesel or whatever you know you're using the right tool for the right job that's why you you know you don't you don't try to haul something across the country in a forklift it's the wrong tool so you can have that diesel truck that over the road diesel maybe it's biodiesel maybe it's natural gas whatever it is and have that but what you're but that's where they're very efficient they're running at lower rpm under low loads they're kind of doing their thing you know it's these other areas where we can where the electric does work or where the, you know, the, the LNG does work that we can make those replacements and kind of start making things better. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And, and our, our position, we're, we're a fuel agnostic clean transportation firm. We, we are driving sustainable technologies and innovation to benefit environmental, economic, and social conditions that naturally will come through different types of fuels and different types of applications just because of how the evolution of technology exists. So, you know, so that we, we come up with that sort of solution set initially. 
Now, the regulatory drivers have been coming hot and heavy recently. We've seen advanced clean truck regulation, the advanced clean fleet regulation, starting in California, the warehouse rule in the South Coast. There's some new medium and heavy duty vehicle inspection and maintenance regulations. But it, it's not just California centric anymore. These, these, these regulations are proliferating. And, you know, we're looking at probably. I forgot, it's probably 10 states now have adopted the advanced clean trucks regulation yeah. with more on the docket from a pre preliminary rulemaking process. You know, this is coming out across the U.S. Well, and, and so you, know, you bring up a really good point there. Not only is it coming across the, you know, coming across the U.S., it's also coming across Canada, things like that. And these sure. manufacturers have international markets, but specifically in California and, and in those South Coast states, Texas and things like that where where the the ports have uh zev zero emission requirements like in california i think it's like by 2025 you have to have a certain percentage of electric trucks and yeah. you need to move now if you're a fleet buyer because even if you're just buying you know a, a, trying to buy a, a ford f-150 lightning for yourself if you put in an order today you're probably not going to get that truck for 18 19 months yeah the supply chain is still a nightmare we're, we're seeing across the board i mean just just from a a, a copper perspective, just just trying to get, you know, a, P, a computer chip in the truck. I mean, you're still wait. We're still waiting. Now that added to the need in the zero emission space, the need to bring sufficient power to your site to even charge those vehicles. That's that adds a whole nother layer uh, of sort of challenges to the timeline perspective because the the utility has to be you know brought on site. You've got to bring on you know the right size transformers and the right all, all the grid connections the interconnectivity between your chargers and your vehicle all, all that takes time and we're we're seeing kind of the best laid plans turn out to be about an 18 month project in the medium and heavy duty space but that's for 50 trucks you know as we start thinking about what these fleets need to do to comply with these regulations in the next year or two you're talking of hundreds of trucks per site Per that site, a, right? It's yeah. thousands of trucks overall. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That's a considerable undertaking in terms of just the construction project needed to to bring the power on site. Uh, and so, to your point, Joe, about you know taking that action now, that's that's where the incentives start to come in. Ultimately, in our markets, you cannot secure an incentive to take a regulated action. So, once a regulation is in place, you lose the opportunity to, for an incentive. Now, you can take actions above and beyond those regulations you can secure incentives for that but you know let's say in 2025 when that fleet has to buy an electric truck if you haven't already met your obligation your requirements under that regulation you have to pay full boat you're paying full boat that's crazy and for, that's a, and that's that a significant thing like we're not talking about a seventy five hundred dollar no, no, no. Price no. break on a pickup truck. Yeah, you know, like like the Nicola press release I got a couple months ago that it was a hundred and twenty thousand dollar California incentive. That's right. To buy a big electric truck like that. That's astounding. I mean, how much do those trucks sticker for that a hundred and twenty k is not just giving it away? It, of course, it depends on OEM. But if sure. you're looking at the Class Eight zero emission market, you're looking at sticker prices. Now, this is Tesla aside. They have their own pricing. I mean, but. Yeah, you're looking at three. I don't know if you've listened to my show before. I'm not sure <laughs> yes. I consider that an actual truck, but that's a different conversation. Well, it's it's a real thing now. It's in Modesto. Uh, we we we've seen oh, nice. those okay. trucks. Yeah, so those 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 two of those trucks are are in service now with Pepsi Frito, 
in Modesto, um, which is super exciting. I mean, they look great, first of all, but you know, th- those are, yeah, th- there are wheels good. on the ground now. So, but anyways, to, um, you're, you're looking at a class eight market right now of about 350 to $500,000 per truck. Now that's depending on the OEM. That's depending on the specifications, the battery pack, you know, kind of all the bells and whistles, sure. but that's a, that's a class eight day cab. You know, the, the diesel counterpart to that new is probably one hundred and fifteen, one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. So it's so a, it's, it's a, a two to three increase. X multiple. Yeah. Easily. But then when you look at the incentives landscape, you're looking at a hundred to $200,000 per truck as an incentive to buy these things. And so that, you know, we're trying to, we, the funding agencies are trying to get cost parity for the fleets from a diesel versus electric perspective on the vehicle. But then you have to start thinking through some of the operations and the infrastructure and the fuel. There are actually incentives in the market right now that support each of those elements as well. So from an infrastructure perspective, the utilities are ponying up cash. The California utilities alone have $900 million in play to help fleets purchase chargers and and equipment to support the to electric vehicles. California, Oregon, and Washington have the clean fuel standard, uh, LCFS in California, CFS in Oregon and Washington, to help incentivize the price of fuel, uh, electrons, right. uh, in those markets as well. So there, there's it's not just a vehicle incentive market anymore. It's, it's very much vehicle, infrastructure, fuel. You got to do all three to make the economics work. And is there a Buy America component in baked into that? It, it's it's not automatic now, thankfully. It, it, we've seen the Buy America requirements stymie projects thus far. You know, one of the things that the when when you know Buy America it came out and really took force in the Obama administration. There were Buy America waivers, Federal Highway Administration was issuing waivers for those Buy America requirements. So you could still see projects developing and going through, even if you weren't hitting the the Buy America compliance limits. That stopped in Trump and has continued during Biden White Houses that there are no waivers being issued. And so if your vehicle or your infrastructure is pursuing funding from the DOT or some EPA programs, that stipulate by America, then you have to comply somehow. Right now, there are no <laughs> there are no trucks yeah. that comply. There's a handful right. of chargers, and the ones that do are like thirty to forty percent premium increase over their right. oh, non by America sure. compliance. It's really really challenging to hit those levels. So, you know, talk a little bit more about GNA because we. I came to know you guys, you know, through you and Lauren, through the ACT Expo and and the trucks. And, you know, let's face it. Anybody who wants to put me behind the wheel of a class eight semi truck is going to be my buddy. Like that's fun, exciting stuff. So (laughs) I'm into it. But you guys do, you know, from from the the point of view of GNA, you guys are a energy consultant as much as you are a truck buying consultant. And we, we talk about this whole idea of putting in the grid, putting in the charging, finding the electrons, managing that. Are you helping companies and counseling with companies to look at like battery storage, to look at solar? Like what what is the scope of what you guys are all about? And then we'll get back to talking about cool trucks and stuff. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, we, it's we like nobody cares team. about any of that. We're just going to talk about trucks. It's going to be great. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think you can, you can kind of simplify the concept to the, the clean transportation ecosystem. You know, it's, it's, it's not just A to B. Um, it, it never really was. And so we, it we never was. Our, That's such a great point. And I'm sorry I mean, to we, cut you off, but like it no, never was right. Like it, it, you know, we think about just go to the gas pump and plug it in, but like anybody who's served in the military and been overseas will tell you there's a lot more to it. It's not quite as Absolutely. simple as just go to the gas station and plug in. So, uh, Very I, much I'm, so I'm sorry. I just thought it was a great line. I wanted to, to underscore it. No, for sure. I mean, there, there are so many, there's so there's myriad factors that come into just the movement of something from a to B because that, that thing to get to a had to come from somewhere else and, and built and, you know, compiled and all that kind of stuff. And once it gets to B, it's something else is going to happen to it. And with the, 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 the focus on environmental sustainability, the, you know, the three-legged stool, you know, what greenhouse gas accounting, all these kind of things, it's bringing all of that into very crystal clear focus when you start looking at the implications of tier one, tier two, and tier three emissions, where those things come from, who's responsible for it. Uh, you know, you look at, at some of the, the the oil majors or you look at some of the big fleets who have who have led the way on some of this greenhouse gas accounting stuff, you can see their footprint reaches way beyond just putting that Starbucks coffee in your cup or, or, you know, kind of delivering that sandwich. I mean, it's an incredible uh, value chain, uh, uh, you know, from, from, you know, a lot of people call it well to wheels, you know, whatever you want to call it, life cycle emissions. It's, it's incredible. And so GNA's role is uh, sort of pervades all of that to, to identify the best ways to, to you know, put new trucks on the road, to put the right infrastructure strategy in place, to work with the ports, to better engage stakeholders on their environmental programs, carbon accounting, credit brokerage, events and creative services. You know, it's not just the technical aspects of the clean transportation world, but you've got to know how to talk about it as well. And GNA has always prided itself on its ability to to talk fleet, to, to recognize our ability to understand the implications of fleet management and, and its best practices, um, but also to, to appreciate that that industry is, is still a little cottage. It's, it's, it's a little niche. And, and, and the implications of that are some people don't see that. So it's, 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 that's why we're involved is, is we help bridge gaps between funding agencies and and ports and, and other stakeholders, nonprofit groups, enviros, as well as the, you know, the physical, the, the, the fleets and, and infrastructure providers themselves. And that goes both ways too, because like, not only are you communicating these ideas into the cottage industry, but you're also taking the needs and concerns of these very varied fleets, which, which are incredibly varied. You have, you know, delivery vehicles, you have haulage, you have scrappers, you have all of these different setups that have different needs that can't really be effectively addressed by one set of rules. And you're taking all of that in and you're turning around and now communicating that directly with the policymakers and the stakeholders right. on that side. So it you really are facilitating the conversation in both directions. I know that, you know, the, the, the politicians aren't your customers. So this is a customer focused kind of thing, but at the same time, like you can't overstate the importance there. I, I do want to kind of change the focus a little bit from trucks. I know trucks is the 800 pound gorilla in the room, sure. but I also want to mention like one of my favorite vehicles that I saw at ACT last year was the select track tractor. 
Yeah. Right. You know, the, the electric farm tractor. And then there was some other guys that were doing uh Monarch, I believe was the other one that had that going. And then there was one, that was a, a kind of a, a, it was a Chinese or I think it was an Indian company that had something a little bit Correct. similar. Are we going to see more stuff like that, more varied stuff at ACT or is it going to still primarily be a truck show? No, no, no. We're, we're certainly, we, we appreciate the diversification of the market. And so we are, not going to necessarily hamstring or or isolate the focus. That was the point of going bigger to a bigger venue, bigger facility, is to allow for more diversification to be on display. So no, we will certainly follow the market's lead there and recognize the amount of new technology coming out in, in place. I, I don't know if you remember last year, but there was a, a hydrogen fuel cell desert race truck. Yes. Remember seeing that thing? That was I mean, awesome. Like, you know that that's not stuff you're gonna like just see out on the road. I mean, we want to we want to highlight and and promote. Um, that was a, a, a French group, Gasson, I think was the the name of them. But but yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, we we want to continue to illustrate the advancement of innovation in the marketplace. So like you know, you mentioned Select Track, but you know, remember why those technologies exist. The the you know, a, a, a agricultural tractor has always been diesel. That's always been its, sure. its nation. It's, it's, that's the propulsion of choice. You know, it's a longstanding, reliable, durable diesel technology. You need that thing out in your fields. But think about who's going to be the first adopters of that type of technology. You know, it's it's the wineries who have sustainability prof- profiles, who, you know, some of these California wineries have been really hurt particularly those in Southern California, by a rapidly receding water table. And so they've got huge diesel generators out in their fields to power their wells to bring the water up. And they're switching over to zero emission solutions. They're they're moving to renewable solutions. A, a winery has always been about what's best for the environment because that's how you get a better crop. So it's a natural evolution to think about a tractor in that you know, particular application as the next shift from uh, combustion to electron. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Oh, it's super exciting, you know, and, and obviously those guys are, are good friends of ours here at Clean Technica. Volvo, obviously we have a, lot, a good relationship yeah. with them. They're at Ag Tech, I think, coming up next week as well, yep. uh, which is going to lead up nicely into ACT. What are some of the uh, surprising things for people who haven't been there, who are going to be first timers here at the uh, at, at the Irvine show? I was about to say, uh, I'm sorry, at Anaheim. No, Anaheim, yeah. Anaheim, yeah, that are going to be first timers there. What should they look for? What should they be excited about? What should they bring with them? Because like... I went alone last year and I really needed to bring like two or three people with me because there's not enough time. It's, it's a big floor and it's, and it's bigger now, you know, we, we had, as we run up to the show, we do publish the, the floor plans and the scheduling and, you know, the, 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 the different sessions um, and press releases, the, the, the press junkets are my favorite part of the show, being able to touch and feel what a company has invested blood, sweat and tears in and get them to, and get, to see their pride in unveiling this thing, you know, getting to see that truck, literally they're driving trucks onto the floor to unveil them. I mean, this is, that's, that's one of my favorite parts and those are done really, really well. Um, So the press junkets, I I always make a point of going to going out to see, but in terms of preparing, I, I think recognizing that this market is real is still a conversation that I'm, I'm having with folks that are new to the show. Like, like, wow, I, I didn't know that a, that a heavy-duty garbage truck could be battery electric. But then coming out and seeing this thing and then driving it around the back lot, which you can do at our ride and drive, and we'll have, I forgot the count, but 
I think last year was, you know, 50, 60 trucks, you know, could get in and oh, drive yeah. around. Well, and it's know, not just trucks. You had the school bus oh, yeah. as well. You had the shuttle, the ambulance. I mean, they, this is like, this is real. This is all of the stuff that you get in and out of that you don't yeah. drive yourself is going to be there. And yeah. it's really impressive. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's from a, a, you know, a new to act expo perspective is, is coming to, to the realization that the, this stuff, I mean, this is, this is the future of transportation, like period, like this is what we're seeing out in the market. I mean, we, we've, you know, Cummins made some releases, I think maybe a month ago or two, I can't remember exact date, but you know, we've invested in diesel since the, the, the dawn early of time, yeah. yeah, since forever. And we're going to eventually stop. And yeah, and, which was wild. I mean, I yeah. saw that and like, it was, I mean, Cummins saying they're going to ditch diesel. I mean, that's a name that is synonymous with diesel. That's like, you know, Pepsi Frito-Lay saying like, do we really want to do sodas and potato chips anymore? Eh. It's the real deal. Breakfast cereal. <laughs> but I mean, that that ISX-15, the Cummins ISX, that, that 15 liter engine is spectacular. To have the ability to just replace, well, I know it's more detailed than that, but but That's to replace right. the headers, you know, and and allow it to run on hydrogen and gas, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it's an incredible piece of technology. Well, and that's really the other component to this too, right? Is that it is still developing and what works really yeah. well for the, you know, uh, let's say residential or civilian passenger vehicle market doesn't necessarily translate over into the commercial vehicle space. And, you know, not only in terms of long haul trucking, but there are other solutions out there that are going to represent significant reductions in carbon emissions, significant use of fossil fuels, and in ways that we haven't really thought of yet. And for those of you listening who are fleet buyers, who are into this market, who are kind of live and breathe this stuff, and you are going to ACT for the first time, get ready because you know, we're not talking about prototypes that are going to be on the road no. in a year or two. If you look at Volvo or Mac or Freightliner, they're introducing their second generation, you know, over the or, you know, second generation electric semis, right? In the, in the case of Mac, Absolutely. a second generation electric garbage truck, because they've, they've been on the road now since 2019. So, you know, this is, this is very real. This is absolutely happening. And in, in California, especially it's something that's already happened. And uh, a lot of that because of the work that GNA has done in securing, you know, I was talking to, to Lauren Markle, our, our mutual friend, GNA was, has secured more than a billion dollars yeah. in incentives for fleets and fleet buyers just within the state of California. So like tremendous work to you guys, who else is out there doing the kind of work that you do in other states or on a national level? Uh, there's there's certainly other players in the game. You know what we have designed ourselves to be though is is the ultimate resources provider. We don't we didn't want to be, you know we, we don't want to be just a grant writing company. We don't want to be just a technical services firm. We don't want to be just an events firm. We are best serve and and more specifically we best serve our clients by being all of those things. Mm. And we are keenly aware. Uh, of boundaries and limitations and, and other comp- competitors, but when we when we get down to brass tacks and, and working with the clients that we have and the projects that we have, we we don't find anything better. We have a ninety percent success rate when we pursue our incentives. That is an unprecedented number in our industry. You know, nine out of every ten grant applications we write is awarded, and like you said, a, a north of a billion dollars secured, and and a lot of that has come in recent years 
because of the very aggressive market for incentivizing these technologies. So it's, you know, it's the Volkswagen settlement. It's uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. It's the, the bipartisan infrastructure law. I mean, there is there is so much opportunity in the environment that our biggest challenge has been education first is to say, okay, you know, client X, you know, recognize that you're overwhelmed. We see it <laughs> like, you know, we, we got it. But that's also why I have 20 staff just on my team who are who are going out day in, day out and meeting with funding agencies and engaging them to understand what that incentives landscape look like. If you took the pulse right today of, of what, you know, how many incentives are out there, it's north of 600 individual funding programs that are relevant to the clean transportation market. It's, to, it's completely overwhelming. No single fleet or OEM or infrastructure provider can sit and say, I got this all covered by myself. We got to right. figure it figured out because just and they're leaving it, money on the table by not tracking it properly. Potentially, but you're also exposing yourself to risk. And that's another point that, that fleets are recognizing the need of, of working with us is that some of these grant programs carry burdens that they may be unwilling to take on. You know, you, you brought up by America earlier that you don't have to take on by America compliance if you don't want to. There's other ways to move around it and address that market. There are reporting burdens for some of these grant programs that are just, frankly, terrible. And so, you know, recognizing that before you chase the money is really valuable. So it's that's, you know, kind of part and parcel of what we're up to. I love it, man. Well, listen, Joe, I, you know, we're coming up to the end of our uh, time commitment here. I want to be respectful of that. I know you're a busy guy for people who have never heard of what you guys are doing. Obviously go to gladstein.org, check out the website. If you're uh, in any way into big trucks and big machines and cars and trucks and things that go, if that was ever a book in your childhood, you definitely (laughs) want to make it out to the ACT show in Anaheim. Uh, How do people find out about that? How do they follow along on social media? How do they, you know, keep track of what Joe Anati's doing? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, Joe. So gladstein.org is is the one-stop shop. You can go there and that'll allow you to get in touch with us directly. That'll allow you to, you know, get our contact information for information specific to ACT Expo, which is May 1st through 4th in Anaheim of this year. Uh, that's actexpo.com, A-C-T-E-X-P-O.com. You can get all the registration information there. Uh, it is next door to Disney. So I, I'm, I have two five-year-olds, so I'm particularly excited about the location. <laughs> I get to, bring them to, nice. get to bring them to Disney after the show, but it's a, you know, a nice benefit there. So yeah, you can reach out to us and, and we're, we're more than happy to engage and, and think through the future with you. Beautiful stuff. All right. If you're listening to us for the first time, be sure to subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I don't know, probably a couple more there. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. (laughs) 